0: for the Arts is a vibrant, cultural, and artistic gathering spot in historic downtown Faribault. The Paradise is committed to offering high-quality visual and performing art opportunities for Faribault and our region. Regular events spotlight some of the best artists and musicians in our area and throughout Minnesota and the Upper Midwest. Our beautifully restored facility includes art galleries, classrooms, clay, and textile labs, a gift shop, and rehearsal spaces in addition to a 300-seat auditorium. Visit ParadiseCenterForTheArts.org for for a full schedule of events or call our box office at 507-332-7372. Art zany. Radio for the Imagination with your host Paula Granquist is brought to you by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts. And now, Art Zany Radio for the Imagination.
1: Good morning. You're tuned to Art Zany Radio for the Imagination. Thank you so much for listening to the show, and thank you for helping us to celebrate creating and stories. Let's get together and let's tune our imaginations today. My cheeks are actually sore this morning, and they're sore from smiling. I'm feeling so much joy. Last night, I saw, for the very first time, the Northfield High School production of Rock and Roll Revival. A glorious evening, I have to say. This is a a world-class production. Every aspect of the production amazed. And I now understand why there is such a mad following for this show. And I want you now to put 2024 March on your calendar now, because that's when you're going to need to get your rock and roll tickets for the next show. It's going to be two years before we see another one. And it is worth everything. I'm just amazed. I'm very impressed. And my voice might also be a little bit hoarse because it's been a few years, darn COVID, since I've been at a show and cheered and whooped and celebrated in a theater, just packed with people. And My, I have really missed that world, and we absolutely need to come together to hear music, listen to stories, watch movies. I don't know if I fully understand the value of being together prior to our two-year pandemic ordeal. This being together to share events, artistic experiences, our talents, visions, and values is the fabric of community and likely the core component of every town in the world. We've all missed out on something in the past two years. We've all longed for something. And I understand the value of audience in a new way. This was an interesting experience as I was reflecting on the show last night. I've known that audience is another charged element of a performance, and it's what makes the show. The way I thought of it before, though, was that the audience was an exchange between artists and the people present for the experience. But I think I understand now in a different way that being together for something, a show, a concert, a game, a reading, a meeting, a service, a celebration, a protest, or a play, or a party, an opening, is better because of the presence of those with you. I don't think I ever appreciated the way that we all make these invisible connections as we experience something together. I think it helps us, it changes us, and it absolutely connects us. Missing something can be a great teacher. If you had asked any of us five years ago if we thought that all the shows five years in the future would be canceled and shut down, we would have thought, that's not possible. Maybe it was only three years ago that things were shut down because they're coming back. But nonetheless, it's you know the idea of there not being some of those events happening is just... It, you know, would have been so far from our imaginations, and so I, I think there's no way we're going back to that time before community when people didn't get together to share experiences. Really, if you think about it, was there ever a time in history when humans, when that was the case, a time where we kept to ourselves, kept our circles small? We would have said, "No way, we are not not going back to that." So maybe another piece of the mystery of the world this pandemic experience has taught us is that unless we find a way to preserve and remember and come together, the things that matter to us might go away. Sure, there are openings and closings and transitions in life, but how do we remember to hold what's dear to us? We tell stories, we make art, we connect, we support what matters to us and we show up. So we come together to these experiences and create memories and keep history. This telling and protecting of our experiences and place matters. And that's part of what I love to do on Arts a Radio is have a place to remember that. So thank you for coming together with us today to make a show. My guests today in the Arts a Radio studio are here to talk about the new film, Valley Grove, A Living Tapestry. I'm joined by Paul Krauss and Gary Wagenbeck. I'm going to turn on the microphones and welcome them to the Arts Any radio studio. Well,
2: thank you so much, Paulo. It's such a great pleasure to be here.
1: Thank you for being here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, you've been a, a, a documentarian and a storyteller and, uh, you know, and all of the aspects that go with that, the design and the music. And um, you've done some some me- very memorable. Too, too many to list here, but a few of the more recent ones. Rain on Mars was featuring the Northfield High School, um, students from the Young Sculptors Project. Mm-hmm. Genesis, The Art of Creation, featuring pastel artist Fred Summers. Harvest, A Community's History Founded in Bronze, about sculptor Ray Jacobson. I'm thinking about his, this, this time. It's the, the wheat, the story of wheat and how that is in our community, and that's really, uh, resonating today and you 've got short documentaries about sidewalk poetry, the garden of quiet listening ruth 's house of hope there 's so many yeah. tell us Tell us a little more for those that don 't know you about um, your work and your world well you know
2: it 's been about uh, twenty two years since I got started in filmmaking. Wow, um, the very beginning of digital uh, film or video where you could actually do your own filming and editing and production. Uh, was really the late '90s, uh, and uh, that's when the bug I got caught by, the, caught up in the excitement of that type of production. Prior to that, of course, I was at WCAL Radio at Saint Olaf College for 13 years, and there I produced several radio docu- documentaries. So I did, I did some, I thought some relatively interesting work there so the storytelling
1: was always yeah there. so it's
2: been about 40 you know 40 years okay so that's almost like yesterday but uh <laughs> so i started out in radio and loved doing production uh and then that when i got the the, uh, the video bug uh that was uh, an exciting opportunity and dennis wilcox and I, back in two thousand, created the Northfield Community video project, and that 's what really took off. We did thirteen short documentaries which we showed around town and had various people come together and talk about things that we noticed uh just for example, you know, I did something on the the history of central park and uh, and the legacy of John and Ann North and uh, the controversy surrounding uh, that park uh, it, it, its operation that goes back into the late 40s in a Supreme Court case in Minnesota. I don't I mean, think that, that, I know that oh, history. history. The history of Northfield is fascinating. I love the, I love the history of this town. And there's so this town has been so giving to me as a creator. I think that's one of the things that uh, those of us in the creative community really relish being in Northfield because there's so much talent, so many ways people express themselves. Uh, the artists are amazing, as you know. I mean, you've you've just being connected to the Arts Guild and all of the other organizations in town. Um, you, you just have such there's such excitement uh, in as a creative person, because you can. You, I, I'm sitting in in Blue Monday Coffee House several years ago, and I'm sitting and talking with with Jake. Ray Jacobson and we'd finished his piece, and Fred Somers comes in and sits down with us because they know each other really well. And and, Fr- and Fred, I said, Fred, what are you up to? What are you doing? He said, Well, uh, I was out looking at my favorite oak tree today. Mm. I said, You have a favorite oak tree? <laughs> no, if you, you know Fred, uh, yeah, that makes sense. He's a natural. He's out in nature all. I mean, this is his. That's his juice. Uh, I said, Really? I said, What's that all about? Well, he said, I'm, I'm creating a my largest painting I've ever done for a group in the cities, the sisters, uh, uh, for their new building, and he said they want me, they've commissioned me to do something, and I, and I feel that there's an oak has got to be in that image, so I said, well, <laughs> I said where are you at in the process, Fred? And he said, well, I'm just starting, I'm just getting the canvas. I, I said, okay, I want to document the creation of this painting. Wow. And he said, cool. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's how, see, that's how it happens when you're in a community where you can sit and there's an artist that says, gee, I've got this idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, the, the, the history, my history is all about those encounters and the current Gary Wagamuck sitting beside me, uh, uh who uh, inspired me as well, uh, at one point, Dennis Wilcox and I were, you and Mary Savina were doing some, a project and, and Dennis was videotaping that. Uh, and that's how I, I first was introduced to Gary. Uh, and then the, the, the wild man, Miles Bakke, is another part of Valley Grove. Uh, and he's in the film. Um, you know, He contacted me t- a little over two years ago and said, gee, Valley Grove is, is, would like to do a history uh, would you be interested in talking with us? <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> that, that, yeah, another <laughs> light bulb all that, went it's off. All that, you know, you just, you have these connections. As con- if, you, if you've lived here long enough, you have, you know so many people, and they're, they're coming out and saying, I've
1: got an idea. Well, let's bring Gary into the Please. conversation and yes. and introduce you to to our, our listeners. I believe this is the first time you've been on Arts Radio. Well, or,
3: on, first time on arts yes.
1: Yeah, so this is very exciting for us. You are the Carleton College Winifred, did I say that, Winifred? Mm-hmm. And Atherton Bean Professor of Biology, Science, Technology, and Society Emeritus. Uh, the research you focus on is science education, marine biology, and ecology, and you are the president of the Valley Grove Preservation Society. So, mm-hmm. and welcome to the show.
3: Well, great to be here.
1: Yeah, uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself and maybe how you you made this connection to begin this project.
3: I'd I'd love to. Uh, Serendipity is a part of of the story. And you mentioned Ray Jacobson earlier, and he was an acquaintance of mine. As a matter of fact, he invited me to co-teach with him back in the 1980s sometime. And I thought, oh, what's all this about? So there we go, another (laughs) starting point that was catalytic, uh, shall we say. And then uh, the the outline that um, Paul just gave um, traces back in my mind to a particular board meeting uh, two and a half, maybe, at least two and a half years ago, three years ago for the Valley Gold Preservation Society. And Miles Baki, whom you just mentioned, was sitting right by me. And we were meeting in the uh, community room at the, uh, the co-op before remodeling when the community room was available for meetings. We used to meet there in the wintertime. And <coughs> long story shorter, uh, those of us interested in and in connected with the Valley Gold Preservation site. Um, Have been plugged into the place and doing activities out there for a long time, 25, 30 years, and <clears throat> the interest in historical documentation slowly matured, shall we say, in our minds. And that particular evening, the history topic came up, and Miles Baki mentioned Paul, mm. and click, we, I thought. We got it. We got to follow up on this thread, and we did. And here we are. <laughs> Long story shorter, uh, and um, a grant proposal, and cooking some ideas, and talking to Paul, and talking to the board members, and seeking funding, and Northfield shares is involved. Seth Rindy uh, Endowment within Northfield shares. Retired dentist Donald <laughs> Nelson is behind the scenes financially. So um there we have a moment.
1: Yeah and I think at a
3: board meeting when things clicked.
1: And and, and that's a great great um you know, that happens a lot in this town, right? Just this little click, just as you mentioned. Absolutely. And and I think one of the things that, that I want to start with is when I thought about sharing this story with our audience, the word preservation in the, the name of the organization, the Valley Grove Preservation Society, stood out to me. And... You know, I think these these years have, uh, past few years have nudged us to think about well, what what matters, what's mm-hmm. worth preserving, in many different ways, aspects of our life, mm-hmm. and so I think that, um, you know, I have to say I've actually never been out to Valley Grove, and I know mm-hmm. I know I, but I'm, I've heard of it. It's been. In the ethos, um, right, of yeah. this community for long, s- long, long time. And so now my curiosity, of, of course, is, is peaked. And we should tell people that uh, one of the reasons we're here is because there's going to be a showing. The premiere of the movie is tonight, Friday, the 25th of March, Valley Grove, A Living Tapestry. That is at 7 p.m. at the White's Cinema, which is on the Carleton College campus. It's free and open to the public. Mm-hmm. Um, we just need to practice the COVID guidance guidelines from Carlton. So, uh tell me then um this this uh idea of w- was preserving the way that it is now important to the process or was it thinking about the future? Tell me about how that that word preservation in the project uh came to be or combined.
3: Well, they, um, those of us involved in uh, caring for Two 19th century buildings, um, and the
1: land around it. Yeah. So tell us the, the two buildings is, for people is, that also haven't uh, been those, out there. There are
3: two big parts to the story. Uh, it's an 1862 stone b- church building. The 1862. Uh, uh, just think about 1862, that. 1862 built. was work. They were being working on it during the uh, Civil War. And uh, legend has it that the building was dedicated in 1868, so the Civil War had wound down by then. And European settlers were coming in in the 1850s um, at a at a high rate, and then the Civil War was a very disruptive um, period in this this history of this corner of Minnesota. And um, so. The number of settlers in the area was uh, low at the time, just small. At one point, when there was a census done, there were nine Norwegian uh, families listed in the, <laughs> in the territory, for example. Mm. Um, so then the soils are very fertile, and and uh, there's a mixture of prairie and forest lands, so that's fairly easy to start uh, an agricultural project and grow some crops and have an oxen and maybe a horse or two if you're well-to-do and start growing some crops. And, and wheat became a um, an easy-to-grow crop on the prairie soils that are common in the area mm. fairly early. And so then <clears throat> there was a whole history of of flour milling in the area here, which eventually was transported to Minneapolis, but it all started right here under our noses, in the 1850s
1: to 70s and 80s. And what about that S- second building? So
3: the stone church, um, is but um, <clears throat> well, there's a photograph in, taken. We don't know when exactly, in late 19th century, maybe I'm I'm going to estimate 18. 1885, 1890, maybe. Uh, photography was. Roving photographers were around, and it, there's one f- <laughs> or two photographs uh, of the congregation from the time, with lots of people lined up outdoors in their Sunday bests. Women in their nice white blouses, and the men in black, dark clothing, uh, lined up, and and they. Congregation grew large, in other words, kids, families, expansion, and they outgrew the stone church, and decided, okay, it's time to build uh, a new church, Mm -hmm. a new church, 1894, just the new church made of wood, and um, I suppose the wood mostly had to be imported because it was lumber, uh, finished lumber, including. Douglas fir, which had to be shipped in by rail from the Pacific Northwest—that's where Douglas fir comes from. So there's a history that goes to the ties to the Great Northern Railroad, I would think, et cetera. So then Wood Church, um, and uh, that congregation, uh, existing congregation, used the Wood Church then uh, through to the early 1970s. And as circumstances changed in farming and family size diminished and people just changed their lives in ways where the congregation diminished and uh, to a smaller size and eventually ended up disbanding in the eight 1970s, early 1970s. Not exactly. Dis- well, the con- that congregation at Valley Grove Wooden Church disbanded in the sense that the remaining members joined Grace Lutheran Church in Neerstrand. Mm. And the church building in Nurstrand is very similar in design for the base part of the building. So two wooden churches from the late 19th century and that era, immediate vicinity are of considerable historic interest.
2: Mm-hmm. One of the things that uh, you'll see all these, these images in the film. Uh, that Gary is talking about that photograph. I mean, it's just, it's a stunning, stunning piece because you just see the the joy uh, of this community and the, the expanse of it and how they clearly needed a larger church than the stone church that's right next door. And it's one of the remarkable things about this site is that it's probably the only place uh, in America where we have two churches within, what, Hundred feet of each other, mm-hmm. basically, uh, side by side, so they're kind of like sisters. Uh, and and the the history that uh, that you get as you s- see the film. So let me just mention one thing, and that is that uh, there's layers of of meaning associated with this site and mm-hmm. with with the Valley Grove experience. Uh, Gary, as a preservationist, and the other preservationists who are concerned about sustaining, uh, making sure that it it continues on. Uh, it's a remarkable piece of the project. And that's kind of where I started was the, okay, the history of the preservation society and all the preservation things that have been done and, uh, and, and the, the work in the, on the prairies, the surrounding prairies. But I soon realized that, you know, there's so many layers of meaning for those who have been associated directly or indirectly with Valley Grove that I began to sense that, we really needed to have as the metaphor of the tapestry. We have threads that run through the tapestry, and each thread is a different color, and each thread represents a different perspective. So, that's, so the beginning perspective is the historian's thread. So that's the first thing you'll see in the film, is the historian's thread. And and that is the, the remarkable <laughs> uh, presentation by Jeff Sauvey. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, from, from from Saint Olaf, uh, the former uh, archivist at Saint Olaf. Yes, he's a delight and, now, and a great and now storyteller, a great storyteller and an author. You mm-hmm. uh, know, anyway, mm-hmm. an amazing. He did just an amazing. I had, he, we, we, He's standing outside of the, the, beside the one church, and he's telling the history telling you the history of, it. and of course I've got all the imagery and all of the supporting stuff to make it as interesting visually as possible, but he does just such a compelling job of, of this whole, from the 1850s, you know, to, through to today, uh, and what it means to people who come, accidentally come to Valley Grove and go, oh my God, this is an, this is an amazing place. It is truly and and one of his final statements in the film is that Valley Grove is truly a magical place now if you when you go there, you will begin to sense the magic, and that 's the mystery there 's a mystery there it 's a very for me as i the more I, as time I spent there, and I spent two years there uh, th- seeing and feeling and exploring um, talking with people, getting all these different points of view, I realized that there's a, a profound mystery at Valley Grove. It may have something to do with the fact that it's up on a, uh, this wonderful hill. So you get up on the hill and you have this incredible view of the surround. And it has a majesty, it has a presence that, um, that just it, it's, it excites people. Uh, whether they're there for the Church service, Christmas Eve, whether they're there for a summer gathering, whether it's a wedding, or 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 a um, someone who is you know being interred, uh, it, 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 just, it it I can't begin to explain the feelings that you get. But I'm try, that's what I try to get in the film itself is the is the feeling of magic and mystery. Uh, and,
1: wow. and I want to mention, if people are listening and are thinking, "Well, I'm curious about this, if you want to visit the Valley Grove Preservation Society's website, it's right. valleygrovemn.org, and you'll get some of those images That's that reveal yeah. uh, the... I, I, the spaciousness, the, um, the history. I, I, I don't, you know, there's the, uh, just the, some of those angles when you, you're looking up the road at the church, the well, church, here, two here, sites. Here's
3: a point to add about the, the, uh, the fact that it's on top of a hill. My geologist friends from Carleton, Mary Savina, being mm-hmm. the prime person, reminds me that the ridges and the hills Uh, that Valley Grove sits on are part of a set around the state park and just to the east ways. And uh, if you look at a topographic map and check the elevation, it's the topographic high spot between Minneapolis and Chicago.
2: Wow. (laughs) So if you want to get a view. (laughs) It's up here.
1: That's interesting, and and that's right down the road. Yes,
2: it's right down the road, (laughs) and uh, it's accessible to all. And it's, uh, it, it, it anyway, the, the, in the, in the film, I try to, I try to create these layers. So we have the historian, then we have the geologist, Mary Savina talks about the geology and the, and going back to the ice ages and how this had something to do with the lay of the land. Uh, and, and we talk with, uh, Miles Bakke, the, na- uh, the naturalist, uh, who's, uh, who who seeks out? Well, you have, you have you have to see it. It's it's too amazing for words. So we have a you know, we have a couple of naturalists with slightly different points of view, uh, and we have uh, a board member. We have visitors. Uh, we just and ultimately we have the weaver, the the t- who did the t- who's doing tapestries for inside the stone church. So the whole thing is one thread after another. And as you weave it together, at the end you have the completed tapestry, which I think symbolizes Valley Grove. So that's. It took a while. It took quite a while to come to the idea of how is this going to be presented because it's a it's a rich subject. I mean, it's well, you right, know. and
1: and you're trying to 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 tell this story within a very within short an window, an hour, right? Within <laughs> an hour.
2: Uh, tell this whole. Tell this vast story. So
1: I'm curious, as as a filmmaker, when you go in. And you have an idea, I mean, you've, that you've probably talked to the board and they've you know, said some of the highlights that they absolutely want to include. Yeah. And, but you, you're trying, to, that word meaning popped out to me, that you're trying to pull something that's yeah. deep, a metaphor, a, a richness that will you know, bring the work to life. Exactly,
2: exactly. And I think that's the role of the artist. The artist is to create meaning. Now maybe it's a very personal. You know, all you're saying is that well, this is this is what it means to me. Uh, but you like to think that well, perhaps if I invite another point of view, and ask them what does it mean to them, like Fred Somers. He's one of the. the I have two artists, uh, and and so Fred is one is one of the artists, and of course, Valley Grove, his heart and soul is at Valley Grove because it was that. Area that inspired him to change his art, from being something very abstract and wild into something about nature. He's he he, he's immersed in nature and he represents that in his in his work, and it's it's so vital to him. And the meaning of of Valley Grove is deep to him, Um, and uh, he, he the way he expresses it. Of course, this is what an artist can do. An artist can can paint a picture for you. You know, he said, he said, look at the color. He says, I, I know what I love, I love about this place is the color. And so he describes some of the color interactions. And as a colorist, which is what he does in pastel and oil, out uh, of the very highest level of accomplishment, um, it, it's just, um, it's moving. Mm-hmm. And I hope that that's one of the things that if you come and see this film, you will, I, I almost guarantee you will be moved.
1: I think you had a guarantee on the email that you sent me. Uh, I did.
2: I said, I guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> You'll Double find joy. your money back. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, Gary, let's talk about the land that's, that's there. It's, you know, a, a vast space and. Is your, you know, look at it from a biologist's perspective. Tell me what you um, describe or how, you know, what people will find in in that environment.
3: Maybe I would start just with uh, recognizing that um, I've lived in the area 35 years now and I've only been around the area for 50. And as I joke with uh, the. families who live in the neighborhood whose families have been around for 150 years, I uh, just that when I've been here that long, then I'll be a real whatever. I'll be really super anchored. <laughs> but uh, the reason for talking this way is that, that those of us involved in the preservation work uh, at the site are um, connected. We feel a connection. and we, we end up being quite passionate about the, the site. Um, based on whatever interests we have. And for me, it's about the land as well as the history. And sort of longer story shorter, uh, 20 plus years ago, 22 years ago probably it is now, um, farmland that was uh, surrounding the church buildings came up for sale. And um, those of us who were involved in preservation up to that point were, what shall we say, shocked by the presence of a for sale sign down by the road uh, near the driveway of the uh, site. And we did some quick checking and long story shorter, uh, we ended up taking $3,000 out of our bank, uh, out of our account. We didn't have much money at the time, maybe five grand total. And went to the realtor in Faribault and signed a purchase agreement to buy all of the land, all of the farmland.
1: Was that the down payment?
3: <laughs> was the down payment.
1: Oh, okay, I was going to say, I can't believe you could have gotten it.
3: For, no. <laughs> for the asking price of $414,000.
1: Okay, that makes sense. Which
3: 22 years ago was a big number. Even more than number. Yeah. Than number bigger. And uh, there's. And we had six months to raise that amount of money, and then about January third or so, when the office in Faribault opened again, our treasurer walked in with a four hundred fourteen thousand dollar check, and we owned the land yep.
1: wow what a that 's a miracle story well
2: it, and it it reflects <laughs> the value of the of that land yeah. to the people that care about
3: it so that the, we were the the preservation crew, shall we call them. Um, really dug in and worked, I don't know, 50 different angles uh, yeah. on funding and we ended up with the appropriate amount. Federal Forest Legacy was involved, uh, some of the neighbors, and after one of our meetings there were several thousand dollar checks in a cap that was passed around the room <laughs> uh, to get things started and um, the stories go on. Um,
1: so, in, it, well, how, in, as far as ecology, well, how would you describe the? the
3: uh, well, here the the purchase of the land had to do with the soil type, and uh, kind of protection of of the of the the, the value of the site, the the, um, the rural character of the site. Because, the, uh, uh, we thought that the way to proceed would be to, think of. Uh, restoring grasslands that were estimated to be present, some mixture of grasslands and forests, since we're right next door to the big wood state park, there's a mixture of forest and, and grasses, historically speaking, based on soil type. We decided to try to reconstruct that type of, those type of habitats
1: from scratch. Because it had been turned yeah, to farmland. It been
3: turned to farmland, and it was erodible. It's hilly and highly erodible and uh, fragile. And our ruse was to honor the settlement history. This is the landscape, estimated landscape, that settlers, European settlers, would have seen when they came into the area in the 1850s. Mm-hmm. Out. Let's use that as a lens mm-hmm. for guiding our efforts. And the various players, from the board to others, uh, have agreed with that approach. And we've got, had a lot of help and spent you know, $27,000 on f- wildflower seed, and the list <laughs> goes on. <laughs> yeah. um, and the relationship with the state park is really good. And uh, the relationship with the neighbors is really good. And we have covenantal arrangement with um, uh, a landowner that has helped us a lot that's immediately to the west. Mm -hmm. Uh, And um, so those of us that live in the neighborhood, and I live just a mile away, and I have a tractor and chainsaws and (laughs) the appropriate um, equipment to – do land care as some of the other neighbors do and I recruit help from um, the neighbors uh, and sometimes we hire help. For example, when we do a managed burn because grasses do well if there's a a fire to help suppress trees and um, we um, use a local um, jobber to help us with that, Zumbro Valley Forestry, which their crew lives just a few miles from where we're sitting. Um, And so we're able to care for the land, even though most of us don't have the muscle or the skills to do it alone. We need help. Uh, So that's where volunteers come in on a small scale for managing um, brushy trees that come in and Mm -hmm. into the grassland area or in the case of um, putting a managed burn on the grasses to enhance their their growth uh, then we hire a a crew of six
1: that that uh, feels like a
3: appropriate (laughs) you know
1: a giant task because it's a giant piece of land It's
3: it's a hundred Fourteen acres, uh, and then there's scientific and natural areas adjacent t- between uh, the Valley Grove properties and the state park. So there's uh, what should we call uh, wildland or wildland plus restored um, land from the state park to the scientific and natural areas to the um, Valley Grove property per se and then a neighbor's property across the street, and then the property that I own just down the hill that I've done the same thing on. I uh, do restoration work on 80 acres that's just down the hill. And so there is a um, sort of community of folks who are treating the land in this historical, restorative, let's see what we can learn, uh, as well as care for the land by... Putting in
1: natives, and so there's that a, was part of what yeah, your well, task was to business. capture that on yeah, film. Yeah, the,
2: the, the passion of the, I mean, to me, that's what a, a film. As a filmmaker, I want to capture emotion. I want to capture feeling. I want to capture meaning. Um, and, um, and just I, I invested in, in a, some new some new drones. I got some. I I think some quite lovely aerial shots, of this of this prairie and and in the context of the churches. And as you flow across the prairie grass and the color and then come across the big woods, uh, it's just, uh, I mean, you can see why Gary and others in the community are passionate about this because it is just so beautiful
1: did you do this in in multiple seasons
2: oh yeah well that was one and that was the i I originally thought it would take a year to produce to to create to do the basic shooting because i did want i did want all the different seasons if i could get them in uh and so you know and we end at christmas in the in at the christmas service this is this wonderful annual event that has been gone going on for decades Where you know Christmas Eve there is a regular service and people come and it's just so, well, (laughs) it's indescribable. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I I have been many times and was and I knew that would be the last thing you see in the movie is is the winter scene with the with the church and the lights in the window and the people singing uh, and the the candles being lit. I mean you know this is what as a filmmaker you just think oh my god. I've got this. This is such a <laughs> gift, you know. I don't have to go and create a set. That's one. You know, if you're doing fiction, you create sets, you know, or you find place. But this is just like a gift, an immeasurable gift. All the different seasons. It's you know, it's just.
1: Was uh, there anything when you were filming that you you thought. Um, Wow, this, this surprised me. I wasn't expecting to be able to capture this on film. Yeah, well, yeah.
2: yeah there, are several, there are several moments in the film that I was surprised. Uh, I won't leave, I'll leave those. <laughs> I'll just say that there are some surprising moments, I think, for everyone. Uh, but I guess in, in, in many ways, it, it, the opportunity was an affirmation. Of something that I'd already held in my, in my heart, I knew this was a special place because every time I had gone there there was I felt I felt this there's a spiritual quality a spiritual quality to uh, to the place that um, I remember one time I was up there doing some shooting in, in the evening because I wanted to get that nice light coming you know uh, you, you shoot early early in the day or later in the day ideally. Uh, and uh, I was coming back from going down into the prairie and into the woods, and uh, there's some, there, there's a, a a little waterfall down in the woods in the big woods that, uh, where where the stone actually came from the, for the stone church came from that, but uh, that particular, you could see exactly where it came from. Uh, but walking back in the early evening and going walking through the cemetery and just noticing the. The personal touches, all the little details, and of course the, 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 the range of time, from a, a most recent uh, headstone to one that was one hundred and fifty years old, I mean it, it, it just overcame, I was overcome with this sense of a, 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 without with a spiritual i mean a feeling of pla- a place of spirit, a place of me- deep meaning. Uh, and and then as I interview people, that's was just revealed over and over and over again. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I can imagine that that is going to be passed through to to the audience as they see this, and even if they visited, this, these are going to be perspectives that they haven't been able to see. Right. And so I want to remind people that the Valley Grove, a living tapestry, which is a film by Paul Krauss, my guest today, uh, is airs Friday, the twenty fifth on the of. March 2022 at 7 p.m. That's at the White Center and the White Cinema at Carleton College. It's free and open to the public. Uh, Folks are invited to, to join us. And Gary Wagenbeck is also here. He is the um, president of the Valley Grove Preservation Society. That website is valleygrovemn.org. And you can get a look at some of Paul's work on the YouTube site that you have, Dancing Sun Multimedia YouTube. I've got a link on that on the KYMN Radio website so that you can uh, take a look at that. Or there's a new website, dancingsunmedia.com, which is coming soon. It's almost done. It's
2: available okay uh, it's available i just haven't quote you know been made a big production of launching it but that will come soon yes yeah, so uh, i also just want to mention one thing the doors will be open at six thirty, so you can come a little, a little early get so a good get seat a good, get right. the seat yeah, the, the the white cinema is just a great gift to northfield oh big screen wonderful sound really amphitheater seating just, you, you cannot find a better place, I don't think, in Northfield to show a, to, a film. It's just a treat.
1: And I want to mention, because we're airing this on Friday, but it'll also air again on Saturday. So if people miss this event, where will they be able to see it next? Well,
2: uh, I'm going to eventually, uh, within a short period of time, I'll be, it'll be, be available for streaming on my YouTube channel. So that will be one source. Also, Twin Cities, I have a contract with Twin Cities Public Television, uh, isn't that the sun? The burst sun. Ju- you folks what can't a- see that, but we can. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it just
1: uh, gloriously yeah, shined, shined this. We're
2: excited here. <laughs> uh, so it picked up the excitement. But the Twin Cities Public Television, I have a three year contract with them. Shortly, they'll begin broadcasting this, this film on their Minnesota channel on the history evening. You probably be Wednesday evening. Uh, well, Wednesday all day. I mean, they, they broadcast the film five times a day. Uh, and they do that typically about three or four months out of the year, so it, it gets a hundred, it gets a couple hundred viewings over the over the contract. So it'll be available on Twin Cities Public Television.
1: And many of your films have have aired. Yeah, they've In, all, that in fact,
2: they've, they've they have aired all of the major documentaries that I've done. So I, I heart, my heart, you know, I thank them for that uh, ability to promote it. Uh, and then i I'll, I'll have some other screenings probably in the next four or five months here and there just smaller venues but uh, yeah. That's, yeah so there'll be lots of opportunities
1: it's yeah. great but this is the premiere if you want to join it us is. for that this is the big one yeah. exactly <laughs> uh, you know there have been we talked a little bit about some of the developments of the you know filming and your ability to use drones and the camera qualities and you know I think I would imagine that the you know the way the cameras are able to to, to you know work with different lights has improved oh, yes, yes. and there's just a lot of changes that have happened yeah. in yeah. in being able to make films and it, just in that short twenty years that, that you've been doing films it's phenomenal yeah really
2: uh, the, what the tools that we have today are so. Far advanced from what we had 20 years ago. And, and so your palette is, you know, the colors that you have as a filmmaker are, have expanded exponentially. I like that yeah. explanation. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it, and it's it, you get to play a little bit more. <laughs> you know finger paint <laughs> <laughs>
1: and for you, Gary, in looking at the you know care of the church and and the land and you know the idea of the preservation of this space, I would imagine even those tools uh, uh, that are available to you of knowing what the land needs, what the you know space needs that, that that's evolved as well
3: well uh, yeah, yes, uh, i think, I think about that arena quite a lot. Um, the season is soon upon us uh, from spring through fall is a time when we we are uh, busy focusing especially on the land care and uh so the the plantings that I mentioned from twenty plus years ago to uh, create native habitat uh, that is you're uh, planting native grasses i mean thirty or forty different species and and um, $27,000 worth of... (laughs) of, (laughs) That's a lot of seeds. ...of of, uh, uh, native flower seed, many seeds of which are the size of pepper on your table. Uh, This is a delicate matter to get these seeds in the ground. Um, So the availability of supporting organizations like Prairie Restorations, Inc., and other... Organizations like um, mm-hmm. Prairie Moon a Seed Group here in Minnesota uh, help us as, in addition to uh, just collecting seed ourselves because Carlton and St. Olaf have uh, arboretums mm-hmm. that when the seeds are ripe, we can get permission to go hand-collect seed, and we do. Uh, so the the whole... Support structure for working with mm-hmm. seeds is uh, matured in uh, a nice, sophisticated way.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and how are we able to know? We want to bring it back to that late, you know, eighteen seventies. How do we know that we're, you know, we're we're getting there? Or what records exist from then?
3: Well, that, that, that's 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 an important question because that's the frame of reference, and. Um, you know, historical herbarium studies, um, pressed plants. In other words, Carleton has a vast collection uh, along that line, and the uh, uh, has a faculty member who is really good at identifying plants, Professor Mark McCone, mm-hmm. and so when the push comes to shove, and Nancy Breaker as well, um, in the uh, arboretum, are very helpful, uh, knowledgeable with regard to details about plants. And then uh, just preparing the soil uh, for p- placing seed uh, is um, requires uh, a few special manipulations. And you put the seed out so that it sits on the soil during the winter and freeze-thaw, freeze-thaw. The worst possible winter weather is good for the prairie seeds because mm-hmm. the freeze-thaw of the ice activates seeds, it turns out. So learning about all of that Mm -hmm. is kind of a little bit counterintuitive.
1: Yes, certainly.
3: Uh, And then Charles Uppenhauer, biology faculty member at St. Olaf, has done studies of the fire history of the area because fires in the 18th and 19th century in the grasslands around this area influenced what vegetation remained long term Mm -hmm. or was able to grow long term and we think that fires occurred in the area immediately surrounding the the Bigwood State Park where the Valley Grove site is located. And like with a regular s- frequency with, then? With enough frequency to maintain grasses. So knowing a little bit, enough of that history to lead us in the direction of re- replanting grasses is what led us uh, in that direction. Uh, and then... Once the grasses start to grow, they're just little guys for quite a while, and then some weedy plants come in, of course, from, various, from ragweed to whatever. And so then mowing hmm. uh, is needed to, for the first few years to, manipulate the, the, to, to keep the light level high enough on the natives. So you mow the weedy annuals and let the light in, and um, hmm. then uh, and some invasives tend to come in. You know, some ash trees seeds <laughs> blow in, and some various other plants and blow Gary's in.
2: Gary's onto it, I'll tell you. Uh, that.
3: Oh, I with, would with bet. Then, then <laughs> we think of a way to suppress those, either using fire or clipping, or in a few cases, uh, selective use of an herbicide. That's where a volunteer crew comes in. And in the film that Paul shows, um, um, there's a crew out suppressing some of the small weedy trees that are coming in. Mm -hmm. Because we live in a part of Minnesota where the rainfall is high enough per annum, about 34 inches, that trees grow well. And in a grassland area, if you don't um, burn, Mm -hmm. there's enough rainfall for trees to do well.
1: And, and they, they would will. D- take over. They'll take over. Yeah, yeah. and that—that's you know what you you don't want if you're going to restore the prairie.
3: Well, that's, yeah, yeah. It's a mix mix yeah. of grass and and forest. So, yeah. the the um, a fire takes a, a mixture of the sort that we're discussing in the direction of grasses, and without fire, then tend to go toward trees. Yeah. Yeah
1: so that that's another sort of transformation and uh,
2: absolutely
1: it, it you know it makes me think about this idea of i, I think we're just beginning to understand the, you know some of the ways of nature even after all of these years and you know i'm thinking about the uh, way that we've learned about trees having networks and communicating, communicating and i would imagine those so. prairie grasses with those roots that go <laughs> How many feet? Uh, 20 feet? I don't know. Yeah, it's
3: yeah, the, the max of 16 to 18, Yeah. possibly 20. And some of the legumes uh, go really deep and some of the grasses go at least 6-7 feet deep. Uh, it's, it, when we're used to just garden plants, uh, let's say if that's Reward. our experience, yeah. <laughs> it's a challenge to wrap the mind around the robust nature of root systems of prairie plants mm-hmm. very extensive
1: and so i feel like we're going to keep learning and thankfully yes. yeah. one of the places that we can go to to experience and understand and mm-hmm. you know uh, have a, a, a you know one of the things i think the pandemic did was it taught people that they being outside is yeah. so great for us
2: <laughs> well and i think also with respect to valley grove because it is such a uh, the prairie that surround the prairie the prairie that surrounds the church uh, has been restored to the point where you you do get that feeling okay this is what it was like when the first sl- settlers arrived mm. uh and you need a demo- you need some place to experience it See, you need to be able to walk out through it. You need to be able to, to touch it. I mean, you can walk along the path and all these different plants that, that that are emerging that you've never seen before, but you know they're natives. Uh, they're being nurtured, and so it's a, it's kind of a, it's a visceral experience. You know, you really feel the prairie, uh, and as you move down into the big woods, you feel the big. I mean, it's 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 really a, a, a great gift. To those who want to explore the, explore nature in an authentic immediate way, mm-hmm. so it it is uh, valley grove again it's it 's just one more dimension to its richness
1: and that 's oh. what we we want people to understand or learn a little bit more from this film valley grove a living tapestry uh, friday the 25th of march 2022 at 7 p.m at the whites cinema and you can get more information at the valley grove preservation society valleygrovemn.org or paul's new website dancingsunmedia.com or his youtube channel uh, dancing sun multimedia youtube This time has been so great to spend with you, and we hope that there are people listening who will uh, seek out this film if they are unable to come tonight, because there'll be other opportunities to see it. But I I can't wait, because you've done such beautiful work, (laughs) and I imagine there'll be more joy coming our way after we watch this.
2: Thank you. We'll guarantee joy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we could all use some more. We can all <laughs> use more joy. <laughs>
1: Gary, Wagenbeck and Paul Kraus. Thank you for joining me on Artsyani Radio. Thank you, thank you, folks. Paul. I really appreciate that you're here with us. And I'm going back to a quote that I, that I first aired maybe uh, a couple years ago that that came up to my mind. It's everything is simpler than you think, and at the same time, more complex than you imagine. Oh, That's Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, I believe, is how you I say see. that. It just reminds me of what we're talking about today. So, I'll go out and experience the world. Folks, you've been listening to the show that celebrates creating and stories, and please don't forget to add some Art Zany to your life. And of course, in the meantime, till next time, enjoy your imagination.
0: You've been listening to Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination with your host Paula Grandquist. ART ZANY IS BROUGHT TO YOU EACH WEEK BY THE NORTHFIELD ARTS GUILD AND BY THE PARADISE CENTER FOR THE ARTS IN Ninety-five.